Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks. Ladies and gentlemen, last time on Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks, in a dramatic presentation, the Heralds of Greenest lay out all of the evidence to the heads of the houses in town about everything that's been going on. The outcomes are sudden and swift. Asok Amkarthra is disowned and expelled by his father. The rest of the houses gather to start to coordinate defenses of the town. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks. I'm your DM Lorne, aka Obocrazy. And because it was just St. Patrick's Day, I have Guinness. Boring, yes, but delicious. Because Guinness... I, I mean, it's basically drinking bread, but I don't care. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular, and tonight I have a brand new drink. I call it Punching Nazis. It is 7-Up, because the, you know, up yours, Nazis. Uh, it has uh, pineapple rum, coconut rum, uh, a little bit of vodka, a little bit of uh, whipped cream vodka. And it is actually really good for all your Nazi punching needs. Because seriously, punch a Nazi. I almost called it the Indiana Jones, uh, because that's kind of what Indiana Jones, he punches Nazis. He, that's what he does, he punches Nazis. But I, I was like, no, I'm just going to, you know, punch Nazis. Well, you can always use Indiana Jones as a reference if people get all dour about it. But, you know, I, I agree. Nazis are fun to punch. Bernie, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking a thing I found in my fridge. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's called Neon Gypsy, and it's an India Pale Ale. And it's like, I mean, I it's so hoppy. I just like, I get why people like hoppy things, but I also am like, mm. it's good. It's good. I'll drink it. I, I'm not huge. Like, sometimes I really like hoppy things. And other times I'm like, nah. so, like, this is super hoppy. I'm sure there are people out there who like hops. And I'm like, yeah, but now that we have, like, other ways of keeping things from going bad, you don't need to overload your beer with hops. I 100% agree with this. Travancore, what are you drinking? Hello, neighbors. The Viceroy's choice this evening is, once again, the Church Brew Works Pious Monk Dunkel, because I am a pious monk dunkelman. Is it hoppy? It's no, not at all. It's uh it's a it's a it's a Munich Dunkel style lager, so it has a nice little body to it, and it's quite enjoyable. Indeed. You and I have thickish beers tonight, I love it. And finally, Carlton, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a mint Oreo milkshake that I put whipped cream vodka into because it's eighty five degrees today and I got one for lunch and they gave me two for the price of one. So I poured vodka in it and put it in the freezer so it wouldn't freeze, and now I'm going to drink it. <laughs> oh my god, that is the best thing I've ever heard of all time. You win. You win drinks today. There are no milkshakes at the Amphail because it is the winter and that's cold. That's when you make ice cream when you have no refrigeration I mean, you systems. could. Yeah, I don't know if anyone wants to eat ice cream right now. It is ice cream is oh, the winter You don't know me. You, only can, you have to have ice to make ice cream and lacking modern refrigeration. I'm sorry. Let's play Dungeons and Dragons and not Julia's tour of the historic area. It's winter. There's going to be ice around. 
there hasn't been a lot of snow. It's been so far fairly mild, uh, but it is cold, which is probably helping today because you guys dragged a body of a doppelganger outside to sit. <laughs> and, you know, if it had been warm, things would have gotten rank. I believe Bernie rolled to see how much poo there was or how bad it smelled. And it was not terrible because it was still fresh. So it's been a couple of hours and where you guys have basically shown the houses some of the, the stuff that you have found. They've converged and talked to everybody. They've they've been heading over to Travancore because he's been showing everybody the ledger and those that can't read the uncommon or the undercommon that's in the ledger. He's been kind of pointing things out. People have been taking notes. And eventually the tough house leaves and Carlton is tagging along with Laro's Tough heading back to his place. Is there anything else you guys would like to do? It's it's about noonish right now, and, and people are starting to finally disperse. Oh, wow. So in my head, it was night. I know. <laughs> oh, no, you guys got up, like, first thing in the morning. No, you guys I... got up, like, you took an eight-hour rest, you got up, and you went straight. Like, this was a morning raid on the Fixer Lair, so yeah. it's, like, noon. Yeah, I... I just... Yeah, I just totally spaced. Yeah, let's, uh, I also need to, to, I guess this is where I can get my special links at this point for what I'm going to do. Do you have special links? Uh, I mean, I have wizard inks. I could probably, okay. I mean, well, I'm just trying, trying to figure a way to RP the, the copying of the spell. And so, and I've already, I've already deducted the money for it. So we can just say, hey, I go to Kyla and she has special wizard inks and she gets the 100 gold I was going to spend. Well, the 100 gold isn't just for the or, or however, whatever portion of the cost to transcribe a scroll into my spell book, Kyla can get that much. Not that it really matters, but... So, to fill in our listeners, uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular has taken the knock scroll spell that, he, that you guys have been carrying around forever and ever, and he wants to transcribe it into his spell book so that he has access to it all the time, which is awesome. You still have to mark off 100 gold for not just ink, but it's mostly time and materials right. to practice the thing. And that has been done. You have, along with your spell book, wherever you happen to have that hidden, you have some of this special ink to actually do the transcribing. Now, if you would like to go with Bernie and see if Kyla has some more, you can definitely look at buying more, but you don't need any more. That's part of your wizard kit book thing. You just need to spend a couple of hours and a hundred right, gold. I know. I, 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 yeah, I was just trying to, to have a funny, fun interaction with Kyla. We can do that no matter what. Uh, Bernie's just like, I need to go pick up my ink. Carlton's gone off with Laro's tough. Uh, you, so you two are going to go. Travancore, what would you like to do? Did uh, Lady Passerac leave yet? She has, but if you wanted to go chat with her, she hasn't gone far. And she looks like she's heading back to her house. I'm going to try and catch up with her. As you run off to catch up with her, it's only going to take a couple of minutes. Everybody kind of disperses at once. It was one of those weird things in where nobody really wanted to leave <laughs> until they were sure, because they didn't want to leave and then have something happen. And so the tough- Wait, who's got the body? Well, the body is just laying out on the, the porch of the I inn and tavern. <laughs> oh, do you want to administer funeral rites to this thing? Uh, what? No, not particularly, but... I, I was just saying funeral rites like you were going to burn it. Yeah, I mean, 
I can help Bernie. Bernie's good. Bernie's good. I just, do we need to keep the body? If we don't need to keep the body, let's not leave a dead body lying around. It establishes a terrible precedent. Well, you are absolutely right. So since Carlton has gone off to see to see uh, Laros Tuff and uh, Travancore has gone off to see uh, Lady Passerac, why don't you and I, being the fire people, take care of the body? Let's get, I, I mean, we need to do this DM who is God. Um, is, there a, <laughs> is there a large fireplace inside? This is going to smell. This is not a, like, in the fantasy world, burning a body doesn't smell. This is flesh. This burning. is not Return of the Jedi and where everything's clean. Yeah. I mean, can we set up a fire pit in the back? Okay, so I just want you to imagine what happens when you burn fat and fat hitting a point where it, we got to do this. We can't do it inside and we can't do it where I'm being way too realistic about this, but I. That's just, fine. Let's let's the burning of flesh is not going to. Um, Yeah, we need to. We, a, a pyre is a good idea. You need a whole lot of temp. The reason they build pyres is because the temperature has to be quite hot. Even the teeth might still last, depending. I guess Bernie would have this knowledge, right? Yeah. She'd have this knowledge. She'd know what dead bodies smell like. <laughs> yeah, sadly, as a cleric, the while you're not necessarily fluent in funeral rites in specific, especially for anything outside of Queen Bay, you definitely are are well aware of the disposal of those who you are unable to save. And these would be these this would all be information that you are well aware of. Now, whether it's worth it to you to go through all of that or whether you want to bury the body or whether you want to just stuff it in a corner of the bar and keep the bar closed for now is totally up to you. Why can't we just set up, we go to the edge of the woods, we set up, like, we dig a little hole, we set up uh, rocks around it, so like a little makeshift fire pit, cross some logs, cast our fire magic, you know, pour some oil, cast some fire magic, and then that should do it, right? Well, um... Take into account we are using magic fire and not the fire of 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 the this IRL Earth. I feel like your heart's in the right place, but I feel like it's a good compromise, it. so we can we can get it done and then go buy our inks. Yeah, so here's here's what we we'll do. Why don't the two of you think See, about the this for a little bit? The actual human inside me that knows that that's not enough temperature to do, it, like that's not going to sustain. Well, keep in mind that that mundane fire does does 1d6 damage and both of us have spells that do more than that yes but bernie does not have fire fire spells which he has are spells that while they say fire in the the descriptors they actually do radiant damage they Jonathan don't do the magic muscular has actual fire you have actual fire bernie has holy fire which is something slightly different actual Here's magical what we're gonna fire. Do. you guys mull over this problem so the two of you are kind of left standing over this body going what what I think I, I think regardless, we can take it to the woods because, I mean, we're not like Bernie said, we're not going to do it here because it's going to smell nasty. So let's take it to the edge of the woods. And uh, while we're doing that, we can discuss how to do it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, can we have the bear? Can the bear? Can I guess we have magic muscles over here. We have magic muscles. I got this. I got the this. bear has followed Travancore to go catch up with Lady Pastorak. 
All right. So you guys, so uh, Jonathan, and you carry this body and in its true form, this doppelganger is not very heavy. So it's, it's uncomfortable and a little gross, but not a big deal. So as you guys carry this body off into the woods, as Travancore rushes off to catch up with Lady Pastrak to have a chat, Carlton, you end up back at the Tough House with Laros, who now that everybody has dispersed and the head of the house goes back inside, he turns to you and says, so what can I help you with in specific? Well, you know, like I was saying before, I need to refine myself if I'm going to be protecting the town that I grew up in. So I'm looking like sometimes I find when I'm swinging my weapon with my two hands, sometimes I'm not putting as much oomph into it. And it doesn't hit very hard. And, like, maybe you could figure out, like, ways I can work on my footing to try to, like, get a better swing. Um, And then, like, sometimes, and I I bet you've been there, you get into a fight for a while and, like, you kind of feel, like, beaten. You've been taking a lot of hits. If I could just find a way to, like, get, like, almost like a second wind to kind of, like, find this well of reserved stamina to just keep going and protect the people I love. Laros nods and says these are definitely things I can help you with. Uh, if you don't mind spending a few hours, I'm I'm not sure how long you're in town, but certainly some of the basics I can teach you this afternoon if you if you would like to come with me to the, the sparring range. Uh, for sure. I mean, I don't think we're planning on leaving until tomorrow. Um, I am a little bit hungry. Like, we went on to this thing first thing in the morning. You wouldn't happen to have any, like, milkshakes around, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's winter, but like sometimes I just feel like we did something good. I feel like a little bit of a treat. I'm not sure. Sadly, I am still relatively new to returning to this area from from being up north for my studies. So I'm not sure if I know a milk. I I have milk. Would you? Well, basically you cream the milk until it gets very cold and frothy and you add sugar and flavorings to make it sweet. So ice cream. Yeah, like ice cream, but drinkable. Why would we do that in the middle of winter? Because it's delicious. It is a delicious treat in the summer, but sadly, for now, nah, I don't. And It's fine. I would recommend before we spar, there be no heavy food or cream in your stomach, just in case. Okay. All right, you guys, he leads you back behind the house where there is an extensive training area. And over the next couple of hours, he has you do some practice drills. He he and you spar gently. He shows you some, some footwork. He shows you some different ways of, of gripping uh, both your halberd as well as your double-handed axe. He tends to favor this long... Uh, this great sword that he's using, but he also has a shield and um, he's able to very quickly adapt to your weapons. You can see that while he's got his preferences, he is fluent in pretty much every weapon. You do actually end up doing some light meditation. He takes you off the field for a little while and, and talks with you about how, while he's not very familiar with your rage and your battle rage that you go into, he is very familiar with that centered focus that you enter into during a battle to keep yourself calm and cool and how you can use that to then close some wounds and refill that energy reserve that you need. And you'll spend basically the next five hours with him 
learning everything that he has. And it's by the time dinner comes, the two of you are tired. He's obviously been working you fairly hard. And several times there's been some guards who've come by to, like, check things out. Especially when the two of you spar, because even though it's obviously practice sparring, it's you're either using uh, wooden fighting sticks or flat ends of blades. It's still impressive. The two of you are highly skilled fighters of completely different backgrounds. And there's a lot of people who, while they're trying to be in obvious about it, they definitely slow down and watch whenever the two of you are sparring. By dinner time, you're you're both exhausted, but you you do feel like you've got a pretty good grasp of all the stuff that he's been talking about. You kind of wish you had more time, but definitely maybe a, a a chance to rest and rejuvenate. You feel like the basics that he's taught you are are going to stick. And Laros will actually um ask if you would like to join them for dinner before you you head back to your friends. Okay. All right. As Carlton heads inside to clean up and have dinner with the Tufts, Travancore. You spend, takes about five, seven minutes of hustling with Shadow for you to catch up with, you were Olivia Pasterak, right? Yeah. Yeah, they have been walking their horses out of town. It, it kind of seems like it's fairly good manners to not get on the horse and like, ride through town. So you catch up with them just as they've gotten outside of town and have stopped to mount up to continue their journey. I call out Lady, Eliz- Lady Olivia. Uh, and she turns, not in surprise, like it it seems fairly obvious that you weren't trying to be quiet. And so they kind of heard you coming. But she does turn and she says, uh, yes, uh, Travancore. Yes. What what can I help you with? Um, I just it's rare when I come some here and I see somebody that I kind of I kind of relate with. Like, I, I know it's just like to be in a place, but not of that place. And that seems to be your brand as much as mine. That would be an astute observation, although I did say as much when you came to my house. It's, this is not where I want to be. This is where we need to be, but now with this threat of giants and everything that's been laid out, I I may chat with my father and we may finally depart from this place. Maybe it is time that this foolish endeavor of ours is finally put to rest and we move on with our lives. Back to Waters Deeper. I I don't know. That these are not thoughts that I have had for very long, so I have no plans. Just just thoughts. And you? I think it's off to the Crypt Garden for me, the long term. Uh, short term, we have to go, uh, what was it, Red Larch, I want to say. It's been kind of a crazy day. Like, my mind is not entirely here, and I'm saying a lot of words, and... Uh, I just wanted to let you know that you're not alone. I guess that's what I had to say. Go ahead and roll an insight check. You are not alone. From <laughs> <laughs> <Fum> fro. <laughs> well, that was a nice moment we had there once. Hey, oh, for hey, natural t- twenty-three, but that's a natural twenty. Everyone drink. You say this, and in all of your interactions with Olivia Passer, actually, has been incredibly guarded and aloof but in a way that you recognize as as a protective aloof and as you say these words her face really doesn't change that much but you recognize the kind of royalty that she is emulating you see the mannerisms that she has adopted to kind of protect herself and while you don't quite know the whole history you can see that 
these are words that touches that touch her and she is grateful for them kind of in a in a weird way and she nods after after kind of a moment in where just the very subtlest of changes in her her eyes and kind of in the in the back of her head and she nods and she says then that means that neither of us are are alone in our travels i guess if all goes right in this world then the next time you are here at amphail i will not be here but certainly the passeracts are known enough throughout the disarian valley that you can find us if you if you see fit and I do hope the next time we sit down for tea, it is a more open and honest conversation. It will be. I promise. And I will find you. And she holds her hand out to shake your hand. I actually try to kiss her hand. She accepts uh, kind of before you've done the same thing. And it's kind of like she prevents herself from rolling her eyes, but you can tell like she lets you do it. And as soon as you let go, she then moves to grip your hand in a very familiar uh, equals grip. Uh, not of no- nobles, but of of respected companions. Uh, and clasps you on the arm and gives you a, a firm but short little shake, lets go, straightens up a little bit, mounts her horse, and rides off without another word. Okay. Shadow and I head back. You hear a fell voice on the wind say, we're probably going to Waterdeep soon, so you may see her again very soon. (laughs) Can I actively choose to ignore that voice? I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, So speaking of voices on the wind, Jonathan and Bernie. So you've spent the last couple of minutes taking this body to the outskirts of town. Bernie has been, Bernie grabbed some, some liquor from, some hard liquor from inside the bar. Okay, and, it's very uh, easy to find. Has explained to Jonathan that you do, while you do need more than just a few timbers, but they're going to dig a hole and he's going to test out how just how hot his burning hands get. And uh, and I I managed to grab the wood out wood axe out back because this is medieval times. Everyone has a wood axe out back, and uh, I'm gonna. Go ahead and roll an investigation check. (laughs) All right. I hope he had the karate chop the trees down. That would work out badly. I know. This is not Minecraft. Wrong game. Uh, That's a 13. Yeah, it it takes about five, seven minutes because this isn't a house in where you just go out back and they've got, you know, a wood chopping station. You actually eventually find the wood axe. Uh, back down in the basement, and it seems like this is something, they just store everything inside, and it's a weird place for it, but you do eventually find a nice wood axe, bring it with you. Good, that that means that uh, while Bernie was grabbing liquor, I was grabbing the wood axe, and the go. plan is to get uh, some kindling, I'm going to chop down a nicely sized tree, and then we'll use that to create our little fire pit pyre. Wait, hold on, do you know- Yeah, are you pitting or pyring or- which direction in the earth are you going can't you go can't you do that can't you just like dig a hole that's deep enough put logs at the bottom put the body on cover it with oil and liquor and then burn it why wouldn't that work i know this so so okay so so i've got i've got a little bit of cultural knowledge from my from my end of north america so that's how you make barbacoa you literally bury it (laughs) 
and 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 have it in embers. And that's why the face meat is so tender. I would like to. I want to point out a thing to you. I just a flaw, a flaw in the plan, if I will. Do you eat the barbacoa? Yes. So there is meat left when you're done. Right, but it's not. Uh, first of all, it's with embers. It's like a smoldering heat. It's not going to be the flash fire that we're going to have. I think it can work. And the thing is, we can. And you cover barbacoa. We wouldn't be covering this. It'd be. I'm going to tell you right now. If you're going to be chopping down a full on tree, you're not going to get your ink today, my friend. Eh, we'll we'll chop down a little tree. This may not be Minecraft, but it is Dungeons and Dragons. So, do you have a shovel? We do. Or a pick. He or also a spade. picked up a shovel. <laughs> we found all their lawn and and gardening supplies in the same Bernie barrel the in the basement. And she was like, I, I have one. She's like, I have one responsibility here. You want to you want to do this? You do it. You did find a pickaxe a way long time ago, but I don't think you have it on you. But I I will say for the the sake of not being uh, micromanaging about this, that yes, you also found a shovel we're down like, in that basement. We're like <laughs> the rope. Okay, so here's the deal. Our party is like the Roman army. Everybody carries a shovel because of that one time we got defeated and we don't like to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all have our entrenching there's tool like in a, our backpack. There's like a deep joke for every kid who took Latin out there. Yeah, everybody. Oh, you guys are so happy that I, I gave you a bag of holding. Okay, you have a <laughs> shovel. It takes... Can we put him in the bag of holding? Oh my god. No. You... No, I fit. As far you... as you know, you can. Whether that's a good idea or not is up to Ugh, you. That would just get everything else all... Ooh. Uh, I think it actually would be okay. Like, the problem would be pulling him back out of it. Because, like, pulling you out of the bag of holding took a strength check, and you are much lighter than that. Does he become a thing when he dies? D does he become, a, as in, he is no longer a creature, he's an object? Yeah. Yes, I would say a body is an object. Exactly. So the differing rules apply. Uh, I don't, I think the rules are the same. It's just that the the object can't suffocate, but tiny people Jonathan. can. Roll an intelligence check. Oh my god. Brittany's just throwing out shit. You gotta remember, she has like a very low intelligence score. She's just gonna she's gonna talk shit Nine. at you. <laughs> well, and the only reason I'm asking Jonathan to do it is because Bernie is asking Jonathan. So he's the one trying to come up with these answers. What'd you roll? I rolled a nine. Okay. I feel like that's an arcana or an arcana check though, because it's it's concerning the nature of a magical object. It, it is, but you're not actually examining the magical... Do you have the bag of holding with you? Yeah, Bernie has it. Bernie has the ma the bag of holding? I, I thought uh, she did. No, it was around my back. Oh, okay. Never mind. Then. Bernie, Bernie was in the bag of holding. experience of the bag of holding that she still quite has not admitted to herself was a near-death experience. So yes, Jonathan, what you are remembering briefly from your encounter with the bag of holding and what you remember from hearing about it, anything that fits in it goes in it. So if you can fit the body in it, and it's a thinnish body, then yeah, you could put the body in the bag of holding. You don't remember if the interior of a bag of holding will preserve anything, and something tells you it doesn't because Bernie remembers being in the bag of holding. Oh, if she was in some kind of stasis, that's she would true. not remember that. So you don't know if putting something that could spoil inside a bag of holding is a good idea. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's not put it in there. Let's, let's not even go there. Right for okay. right now. Well, we don't I'm have too the late. bag of holding, so yeah, let's go yeah, dig we're just this hole. 
Let's go do All right. poll. Meanwhile, I'm over at dinner. I'm like, doesn't this bag look nice? Not a let's us. Let let's go. And you chop a tree. And Bernie stands there and gives um, supportive words. Okay. So it takes Jonathan. How large of a hole are you digging? Can I roll for supportive words to make him dig faster? <laughs> uh, I figure probably if you would like about... to aid him any of this uh six feet long maybe two feet wide and what do you think about a foot deep two feet deep sure um the shovel's the size of bernie she can't aid him well she can use you only have one shovel but she could use the pick would you like to help him i'm not gonna make you roll for it i just want to know she was gonna roll to encourage him i think a foot deep will be fine okay okay Jonathan, you spend the next hour digging this hole. It normally wouldn't take so long, but it's cold. It's winter. The ground is frozen over. But you... I don't know the troubles it... I've been told. No, 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 no
anyway. I'm going to cast it at second level, so that I believe that's going to be 46 damage. Yeah, but what I'm assuming is that you're trying to contain all of your damage to hole and fire <laughs> right, yeah. and not set the forest on fire. Sort of like Shadow is eventually going to show up and be really pissed. At he's gonna he's gonna look at me <laughs> and he's gonna start putting on a ranger's hat very slowly. <laughs> and yet, isn't he the fo- also the fire bear? This bear contains multitudes. If if Shadow senses that the forest is in danger and that I'm not doing what I can to prevent forest fires, his ass will show up. He respects fire. He's a complex bear. He, listen, you can only be a bear of... He can only be the fire bear if you understand the nature and the danger of fire. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Loki is a fire bear. He's going to show up and be like, you were the chosen one. Only you <laughs> could prevent forest fires. <laughs> All right, that Jonathan, is, roll your damage. That is the only time that's ever going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? Coco's boots going to take a bite out of crime? Yeah, <laughs> oh my fucking god! A fucking bite out of crime. What did we just do for five episodes? But take a bite out of crime. Six oh six five two. Kogus new has been so dignified throughout this process, and he's just gonna turn and break the fourth wall and just say, "Only you can take a bite out of crime." And then he's just gonna go back to it as if like nobody knew that he could speak English. <laughs> he doesn't speak common though, just English. Which nobody else in this party speaks. So all they hear is woof, 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 bark, bark, Exactly. Exactly. All right, Jonathan, what did you roll? 14. Perfectly average. Okay. You burning hands this pyre. The wood is not... It's dry, but it's cold, and it's got some frost on it. The alcohol definitely helps. The body itself is... Not anything more or less remarkably flammable, but you do enough damage that it definitely goes up in flames. It's hot and it smells and you've got a nice little bonfire going and it continues to smell and the smoke coming off of this thing is is kind of black and has a disturbing smell to it that makes the, both of you kind of back away. As Jonathan the Magimuscular, he's breathing kind of heavy because he's, he's, done, he's done a lot today. And he says, goodbye, Karthok. Catharkcock, who died far from home. Goodbye, and fuck you for making our lives difficult. He drops it. He so he holds out the uh, the the show, the wood axe and then drops it like a mic, and then walks away. But then he wants his axe back, so he goes back and picks it up. And Bernie is okay. like watching all this, and she's just like, <sighs> and she says, because she's not going to pray. Okay. And she says, you're pretty sure that this this doppelganger was probably not a disciple of Queen Bay. You can't be 100 percent, but you're like 99.9 percent sure. I would not fault a tiger for killing. You were merely doing what you were made to do. Unfortunately, it got in our way. What a shame. You were good at what you did, though. You had all these assholes fooled. Can't fault you for that. That's all she said. Part of you, Bernie, the the part of you that likes to pull tricks on people, that likes to deceive, can't help but you don't like this being, and certainly you're you're both you're just as pissed as Jonathan is about you know almost getting killed and all the shit that you've had to go through. But part of you has to admire how well this doppelganger had everybody fooled. You two spend the next couple of hours babysitting this burning grease fire. It's not fun. The sun goes down. And 
keeps you warm. Uh, well after dark, it finally kind of subsides enough that you're able to kind of dig through the coals. You can see that a lot of the body has been destroyed. It's not 100%, but you're pretty sure you could just cover the whole thing over with dirt and no one's going to come and dig this up. And even if they did, there'd be not much left. I take the pickaxe and I put it into the ground. I cast light on the top and then I do that. Okay. Yeah. Takes you maybe 30 minutes of just putting the dirt back in, covering over. You've got a nice little burial mound, essentially, that'll eventually drop down. But it's by the time you're all done and you're pretty sure that this body is as as well disposed of as you can manage on short notice, it's well after dinner. Bernie's going to pull back her sleeve and smell her skin deeply and look at him and say, ironically, we're going to need some lemons. It's not as bad as you were afraid of, but because you were both aware. Yeah. You were both aware of how bad this is going to smell. I hear smell. a slow clap somewhere on the fell wind. <laughs> Travancore comes walking out of the woods, having watched this for the last couple of hours, because somehow Shadow knew there was a fire nearby. But Shadow is happy, and he comes walking out of the woods to greet you guys. Hey, guys. Let's have dinner. I'm good with that. We smell bad, by the way. Like... Just scientifically, we should smell like a dead body. And if that body had been decomposing for several days, depending, some of the fat yeah. would have like... Readying a constitution saving throw. Moving on, because and it hadn't, you just killed it this morning. <laughs> Bernie's like, Bernie's like, let yes, me tell you what would have happened one. if this had been worth. Like, you find a new side of Bernie who would like to explain to you the different ways that a decomposed thing can attach its nastiness to you all right you guys um i'm assuming you're heading back to the eagle shields for dinner oh yeah for dinner and lemons for dinner and lemons you guys head back to the eagle shields it's it's after dinner essentially by the time you guys get back there but Melser has made sure that there's food for you and there's a bath drawn as soon as some of you are smelled about an hour after you guys are done eating and in the middle of cleaning up, Carlton comes back looking sweaty and tired, but with a, a self-satisfied self smirk on his face. I say, well, I've got something I need to go do, so good night, everyone. And I go up to my room, and once I get up there, I start laying Wait. out everything for, uh, for spell scrolliness. Has it been 24 hours? Can we go back to our house to check on Derek? Yeah, <gasps> probably should. It is at this point. Yeah, you opened it at about 8 p.m. the day before. So yeah, I'd say at this point when Carlton comes in and after he's kind of told you what he's been doing all day, yes, you could reopen the pocket house if you'd like. Let's so it. here's my thing. I distinctly remember Rachel telling us that it's not a great idea to leave people in there. We did our check and said probably nothing will happen. So I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to turn out. He was our guinea pig. Yeah, well, let's go Let's go do this for science. Yes, I mean, but they said it was fine. They said it was fine. Do you trust Rachel or Bay? Rachel's gonna give us a house. We're gonna... I'm gonna let that slide out of friendship. Also, you do still have her letter if you would like to double-check exactly what she said. That's true. All right, let me pull it up. Meanwhile, would you guys like to open up the pocket? Yeah, regardless, okay. we should do that. You and you're gonna set it up in the same guest room. Yeah, oh, Bernie, you have the uh, the the dealie. I do, I do. Yeah. Ooh, look, Bernie like spins it on the floor, just like. Phew. 
it spins for an unnaturally long time for something that is essentially a, a, a round flat object and not a top. Oh crap, uh, we're still in the do... dream! Oh god, no! <laughs> it does eventually stop, and you do not hear a bunch of really low bass instruments. The teleportation circle... Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 and then the world folds in half. I read the letter, it doesn't say anything about keeping a living thing in there for 24 hours it says they will close after 24 hours and if you open it from the inside to get out and not be trapped forever essentially i'm paraphrasing bad things will happen you try to read it and you realize you are in the dream because the words don't the letters that's how batman knew that the the mad hat i was about to say that that sounds like some fucking batman shit (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile carlton has pulled out this letter and has re uh, reread it unto you. So you know you're not in a dream because he's actually able to make out words. You guys enter the pocket house. The Modrins are still on guard. You see one of them has been standing on the walkway. One of them is standing in the living room nearby where your fruit uh, and vegetable garden is. And the other one, you, you don't see them, but you seem to remember that they were sent downstairs to actually go- guard Derek. Which one do I see up front? Oh, now I have to remember which one you sent where. I think you had Piddleschmick going downstairs to guard. Uh, guard Derek. So Alistair Duke is the one that's in the in the main room, and okay. Felix was the one on the walkway. Okay, so when I get into Alistair, I, I look at him, I be like, all right, blink once if he gave, if there was no trouble, blink twice if he gave you trouble. Uh, Alistair Duke blinks once. And then goes, meh, meh. Good job. Proud of you, buddy. Meh. And I pat him gently on his head. Wait, are we all in here? Can I pat him on the eyeball? He will deftly... It's been long enough that now he's... They're all very well aware of your uh, predilection for eyeball patting. <laughs> and as you reach in to pat his eyeball, he... He... I'm a DM. I gotta say weird shit. He deftly ducks under your hand and you find yourself patting the top of his head. That is some expert level shade. And he gives you a very pleased... <laughs> I, I... That's at least 18 on on that throat cast shade spell. And you could swear day. he's smiling as he looks back up at you. Do they have mouths? <laughs> Jonathan, the Magimuscular, is not there, but he comments that he loves the sounds the Moderns make. He loves them. Jonathan the Magic Muscular has been casting a very interesting spell lately called You Can Hear My Voice from 9,000 Miles Away. <laughs> I didn't know you gained that one at level six. It's called Sending. It's, it's, a, it's a two and a half level spell. I got it a while ago. It's a two and a half So wait, level. you didn't, you're not in the pocket house? Oh no, I'm I'm in the Eagle Shield place uh, uh, doing doing scroll and spell book and learning new spell things. Oh, okay. All right. So you've gone to, they basically set aside two guest rooms uh, with a couple of beds each. So the one now has the pocket house that you've been using. You go into the other one. There is a desk there. You lay everything out and you spend the next couple of hours pouring over the spell scroll, pouring over your books, pulling out your special ink, getting it copied down. It's going to be a relatively late night for you, but you don't anticipate Buck's if he flies all the way to Red Larch and back, you think it could be more than a day before he comes back, depending on what he finds. So you don't anticipate you're going to be getting up too early in the morning. Right. And I figure that uh, that e- even if it takes him a little bit longer, we're going to be heading that direction anyway. So we very well might intercept him. But we'll we'll see what happens. It's like 
Oh, and by the way, I rolled a 22 on my Arcana check for for scroll stuff. Okay, so this was a knock spell. So I think it's a level two. It's a second level, which makes it uncommon, which means it's a save DC of 13. You rolled a 15. You are successful. Woo! Knock, knock. Whether the check succeeds or fails, the spell scroll is destroyed. So yes, so you, you go through two hours, you spend the hundred gold worth of stuff, you think you're about to finish, you concentrate your arcane knowledge for just a moment, and you see the spell scroll flare almost as if on fire and then turn to ash. But when you look back at your spell book, there it is. Knock, knock, knocking on a locked door. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. And from far away, Bernie utilizes the same spell and goes, No, please stop. Calvin goes, Boo. The party chat on the wind. <laughs> Wait, can sending go through different planes of existence? Yeah. Uh, it can, but there is a chance that it can fail. So is this okay. like. Because I know that's contact other planes. Basically, in like adding sending, Jonathan wants to sext with uh, what's her face, Dorvine. That is Dorvine. not what I said. That yeah, is not what I fucking said. I mean, you say that, but like, it's gonna be like send nudes, and Dorvine's gonna <laughs> send you like death. No, it's, it's gonna be like, hey, Dorvine. Hi, John. What's up? Nothing. Just wanted to talk. What's like, up with you? you? Know, gonna be like, you up? And she's gonna be like, well, I am now. <laughs> I just got a message in the back of my head. I would like Bernie Carlton and Travancore to roll perception checks, please. Oh, oh no. shit. This is like the oh, moment no. where like, the oh, no. is like, everything's fine, and then it's not fine. Carlton got a 21 while Bernie looks how perceptive she is. Travancore also got a 21. I'm going to call it right now. This is going to be a terrible perception check on my part. Yes, I got a 12. Okay. Okay. So are we, are you going to find fucking, fucking Derek, uh, Nina Tuckered, a la Full Metal Alchemist all over the wall? The the modern woman, like, we can't even escape. (laughs) So Bernie, as you and Alistair Duke do this fun little, I'm going to pat you in the eyeball. Nope. You're patting me on the head dance and have a, have a fun little moment together. Carlton and Travancore, you clearly hear someone yelling from down in your basement. He's like, what the hell did you do? I immediately run to the basement. Yeah, I go as well, brandishing uh, my halberd. Okay. I, do I notice, even notice, I, I notice them running to the basement, right? Oh, yes. I'm like, hey, you don't like- You don't hear what they hear, but you see the two of them suddenly run off, open the door, and sprint down into the basement. Okay. Uh, as I go through the door, I immediately yell, halt, to stop whatever might be happening. Okay, you run downstairs. The The two of you get there first. Bernie, if you're following, you'll be just moments behind. As you get to the bottom of the stairs, you see kind of what you left. Piddleschmick is standing in the middle of the basement, his multitude of arms holding onto a multitude of spears. He seems to be unperturbed and tied up against a pole, uh, one of the support poles of the basement, is still Derek Marn. He is uh, still tied up. He still has the the blindfold over his eyes, but he is ungagged, and you can see that his pants are wet. And as you come downstairs, he is yelling, Were you going to come down here and help me anytime soon? I've been here forever! We just got back! 
And Carlton is you. Well, you just got back, but you have to remember he has now been tied up in your basement for like a day. Yeah. yeah. And the point being. And you do. <laughs> He's right where I wanted him. You do very clearly smell that while he has managed to hold most of his issues, um, he has wet his pants. That's that's fine. There's been worse accidents in this house. Ike has dry pants. <laughs> that is a fifth level spell. You don't know that yet. Oh, oh dang. Can we now make that canonical for when she does oh get access to fifth yeah, level spells? Oh my god, yeah, I'm totally right in that. When I am fifth level, I get dry pants. I'm gonna. I'll work on that. I'll work on that as a cleric spell. It'll be custom cleric spells. Anyway, uh, Derek, very clearly, you guys have come downstairs, and he says, "It's. I don't understand where you guys have been. I, it's, I've been down here forever. What happened? Can't you let me loose? I'm. I'm it's cramped. Not forever. And, it's twenty four hours. And he's been tied up and blindfolded in your basement for twenty four hours. Right, and but as that's he'll not tell forever. You, admittedly, admittedly, he's probably. We should probably untie him, depending on how tight those binds are. He might lose function in some of those limbs. Please, I I am not sure if I can feel a couple of my fingers. I'll, I just... Listen, if you haven't taken care of things at this point, I, you know that I'm no danger to you at this point. Just at least let me up so I can go clean insight. myself up. Well, sure. I insight that danger. I'm not no danger. Twelve. Uh, well, at the moment, he's currently tied up and he's pissed his pants, so he's absolutely no danger. Right, but in general... I mean, he's tied up. It's obvious that he has wet himself and that he's been sitting here for, like, 24 hours, so he's he sounds desperate, but you imagine that... Th yeah, he would, but otherwise, you're not sure if you really can read him. I'll go untie him. Carlton, if you try something funny, kill him on the spot. Okay. And I want to untie him in such a way that my hand does not touch anything even remotely resembling pee. I'm going to be very okay. careful about this. It, that's Slide fairly <laughs> easy. He he was seated on the floor with his arms behind him tied to the pole, and he had it's basically just the seat of his pants is is wet. So you untie his legs, you untie his arms, you untie the rope uh, holding him to the pole. He takes off the blindfold, and the first thing he does is kind of massage his his wrists. You can see they're a little raw. It's not they're not bloody per se but you know he obviously has been trying to shift and move and get some comfort and he says oh thank you i never thought you guys were gonna come back i was i don't know how how long have i been here i, I figured once you didn't come back immediately that either you just left me to die or that that vukovic had taken you all out i got some good news for you um you don't have to worry about vukovic anymore He's he's quite dead. In fact, he's probably been dead a while. The what you thought was Vukovic was actually a doppelganger from the Undercommon, Underdark. who went by the name of Catharcock now, if I believe, if I remember he's correctly. Catharcock. That sounds. I, it sounds like a Catharcock. I mean, my Undercommon is a little bit rusty, I don't even. But, uh, what is that? It's a nasty little being from the Underdark. If, the less you know about the Underdark, the better we all are. But he's dead now, and. Uh, and it looks like you're safe. I don't think anyone's going to be after you. I mean, there was one guy that escaped in our battle, like one ninja dude, but I think... In no, I actually, no, there was nobody that escaped. No one he tried, tried to, to escape, and we fucked him up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So You killed everybody that was down there. Never mind. Scratch, and all the snails. Scratch that. So I, I, it looks like you're, you're, you're in the clear for now, but the lords know about um, what Vukovic's been doing in the basement of your bar, so I don't know if that's going to be an issue for you or not, because we had to call a whole... Group of the lords. I, well, I barely know of uh, everything that Vukovic was doing in the basement of my bar, and but okay. Well, you promised that you would kill him, and I thank you for that for upholding your word. 
I don't know what I'm going to do now. I mean, I told you that it was, it was the buying and selling of information that was keeping that bar open without the fixers, without Vukovic, there are no fixers and without no fixers there, there ain't no bar. Well, actually the bar is physically still there. And you know, if you weren't wasting so much time running around being everyone's gopher, maybe you could concentrate on having a good establishment. Also, I hear women is a good trade. <laughs> to be honest, do you think anyone is going to come by this bar now that everybody knows what's been going on? Well, I don't know, man, but, like, you really never thought there'd be a day where all of this could come crashing around on your head? I thought I'd be long gone by then, and maybe that's what I'm going to have to do. Am you, I free to go at this point? You do I want to be long gone anyway, because there's some giants making their way down to us. Wait, what? So what you're going to want to do... Just to get out of this basement, if we put that that uh, blindfold back on, or Carlton or Bernie can put it back on there for you, because it's the only way you leave this basement, because you cannot know where you are for your own safety. Yeah, that's very true. He he's been he's been right by us, so I'm gonna do something first. You gotta put the you gotta put the hood on first, and I'm gonna lead you somewhere, and you're gonna be okay with it. But you'll also get pants. Let's promise him pants. Yeah, they can do his pants. I was gonna take him to the bathroom so he could take a bath. Oh, that's oh, a good yes, idea. that's a thing. And um, the mod the modrons. They sometimes they have spears, but other times they have laundry. So while he's bathing, I will have the Modrons clean his clothes for him. He he nods and says, "All right, I I, I guess that's fair." And he's just now unless you like, would like to leave while being still being soiled. I mean, if you would like to use the bathroom to bathe, take a moment, relax, you may. We'll bring you. Some but if you just want to leave with soiled pants, you may as well. I might as well leave with what little dignity I have left. And at the, you can see that like he stood up, he's rubbed his legs to kind of get some of the circulation back. He's been rubbing his arms, and then like he's been trying to not look at the modern that's been standing in the basement this whole time. And Pittelschmick doesn't give any fucks. So he's just standing there with his spears at the ready, uh, just kind of casually standing there. But uh, Derek is definitely doing his best to not look at this thing while looking at this thing. And he says, well, all, all right. You're not going to have to tie me up again, right? I can just go to the bathroom. We can uh, take no care ties, of this and I can leave. Blindfolds, yes. Blindfolds, 100%. He takes the blindfold and he hands it over to you, Carlton, and says, well, I, I would very like to not be in these pants anymore, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's nothing personal, but, like, the Fixers had secrets, we got secrets, it's just uh, a need-to-know basis. Uh, you don't have, like, proper security clearance just yet. And you are uh, also completely checks. untrustworthy. Listen, I don't, I don't care where you guys are. I'm perfectly happy to leave this place, this town, this whole situation, and never come back here again so okay. whatever it takes i will takes, blindfold him and lead him to the bathroom all right he submits to it you lead him up the stairs and into the bathroom um close the door and then basically over the next hour he'll get himself cleaned up the modrons will dry out his pants and get him back to him and about an hour later he's you open up the door and he's got the blindfold back on you check it over and he seems to be legit and he says all right well Lead on, I'll follow. How how far do we have to go for me to get out of here? Uh, not too far. While he was in the bathroom, uh, I want to say, somebody should go ahead. I can do it if you want, but we should let the Eagle Shields know, like, either to clear the room or to be very, very quiet. You should probably go because you have the closest bond with them. Okay. So, when by the time he comes out of the bathroom, I'm yeah, already I'll, gone. Yeah, I'll be the one who, uh, who gets his blindfold back in and leads him out of the uh, the, the undisclosed location. 
All right, yeah, Carlton, you head outside. It's well after dark, and you find Mouser in the living room. Uh, looks like he is... He's just smoking a pipe and kind of staring out the, the window. And when you ask him, he's just ta- he's basically just mulling over everything that's happened today. And when you tell him about... I mean, how much do you tell him? Because he actually doesn't know about... So, Pa... Who's upstairs. So, so Pa, you know, like, we've been trying to do right by the town... Uh, and we had to do some things that I'm not super proud of, but we need to get information. We need to keep somebody safe while we dealt with that alien. But I don't want them to know that you were involved. So he's going to be leaving right now, never knowing where he was. Uh, so when he comes down, I just want everybody to be quiet so he doesn't pick up on where he was. And that way there's no chance of possible retribution. Mouser gives you a curious look and says... Okay, I I trust you, especially after what's happened today. Uh, you don't have to worry about anybody else. the The rest of the the house is quiet. Uh, Mary's already gone up to bed, and everybody else is no. I think I think I'm the only one that you have to worry about for the moment. Are you doing this right now? Uh, they'll be down in just a minute. Okay, so Melzer will say yes. So uh, Mary's upstairs sleeping. Dorn and Kara went to go stay with some some friends for the night. They were a little worried about everything that happened. Dorn is with some friends, and 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 Kara is staying with with Ivanthea. Um, hopefully, the two of them can keep each other from doing anything rash. But did so I for notice? Now, did I notice Kara at the Tufts when I was there training? Ah, uh, yeah, she and Ivanthea they left together um and they went back they actually had dinner with you both of them were a little quiet Ivanthea seemed still angry Mm -hmm. um but they were there and they were you hadn't thought about it too much when you left but yes both both I relay that I had dinner with uh Kara and Ivanthea everything seemed to be okay and I think that they will be safe at the night at the Tufts and so he is going to sit quietly and puff on his pipe as uh, Travancore, I guess it's you leading. I'm, I'm leading Derek out of the. Uh... Okay. He follows you. Where do you lead him to? Do you just. So it's out the just front door? pretty much like a straight line, like upstairs, right through the front door. Oh, no, well, he's already upstairs. So right through the front door, right through the hole. And then just I'm sort of leading him by. Uh, by the hand, making checking it periodically, make sure he's not like trying to touch his his his. His blindfold. Nope, he is passive, pretty much. Resigned would be a good word for it. And you do get the sense, as as you guys leave the house and get outside, his pace picks up a tiny bit, and you feel like he's just looking to go. Uh, where would you lead him to? I'm just going to go right out through the front door of the Eagle Shields, like down the stairs, out the front door of the Eagle Shields. I'm going to take him back to town, actually. I think that's the safest thing. Like, I know he's going to have the blind shield on for a long time. I'm not going to save anything during this time to indicate where I would be. Okay. Uh, but I'm just going to make a beeline to the, to the, to the town center. As you get to just to the outside of town, it's been a relatively quiet walk. It's relatively late at night. It is cold. It's super dark. Uh, There's a little bit of snow, but everything seems to be fairly quiet between the activity from this afternoon, as well as just it's late night and it's dark and it's winter. It's quiet. And just as you get to the outside of town, you stop. Um, And if at that point you take off his blindfold. Uh, Derek blinks a little bit and sees where he is outside of town and says, well, all right then. I I guess 
I'm going to go back to the bar and I'm probably going to be gone. I'm probably leaving. So I'm not going to say thank you because this whole thing was just a shit show, but I guess it could have ended up worse than it was. So thank you for not killing me, I guess. Blood pants mean you're alive. Kind of give a right grin. Well, they're not wet anymore, thanks to those things. Those were weird. I'm leaving now. You friggin' ugh, god pawns. Why do I always have to end up with god pawns? And he goes walking off. Bye, Derek. He does not turn around. He walks off. <laughs> so you hear on a voice on the felt wind again. So it sounds like we have a bar now. Well, no, because no, Derek might go no, back to it. No, you hear another voice that says, no, we cannot afford <laughs> the overhead. And the bar doesn't make any money. It's not a viable investment. <laughs> yeah, more than likely, Derek's going to sell the bar and then pick up and go somewhere like Waters Deep or somewhere else. Wait, what if we start our own information gathering services to uh, to keep the bar up going? That would involve staying at Anfield for one second longer. I have no interest in that. I know it's your home, but I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> and on that note, Travis, I was actually, about to like, say this whole thing he imagined in his mind. He turns around, and walks right back to the yeah. Field. He has this conversation in his mind, like like Carlton could be like, "By the way," and you'd be like, "No." Eventually, you do want to pick up the stuff you left in the fixer layer under underneath the fuck, bar. We're supposed yeah. to make the fuck. We are. Damn it! God damn it! Oh fuck! <laughs> I run back to to towards the bar. <laughs> All God right. damn it. You know, I wasn't going to say anything. I was going to see if you guys were going to leave town before you realized. But oh, we were. I'm a kind and gentle DM. You are. We were so fucking going to do you. that. Anyway, Travancore, you go running back towards the bar. Basically, you stand there. You have this weird conversation in your head where you hear your teammates as everyone talks about the bar and you're thinking about the stuff under it. And you, you realize very quickly, oh, shit, we left like chests at, like, basically the only thing you took out of that place was the bag of holding, the potions, and that weird box with the feather yeah. inside that you put inside the bag of holding. Oh, Everything boy, so... else is still there. Hey, Jonathan, it's been a while since I've heard from Travancore. Can you see what's up with him? Jonathan is not in the pocket house. Jonathan is still... Neither am I. I'm, I'm, I went outside to talk to Mouser. The only one in the pocket house is Julia. Or, I mean, Bernie. Bernie's in the Jonathan doesn't respond since he is deep in the throes of an ar- arcane transcribing when you guys do this. Yeah, it's around 11 o'clock, you might hear a woohoo! Eureka! Yeah. Fuck yeah! But you still, he's still got probably about another hour at this point. Fuck Rika! Alright, I'm gonna, realizing that it's taking Travancore longer than I thought it would, I'm gonna make my way to the bar. Okay. Bernie, what would you like to do? Um, Bernie's gonna shower. No, she already showered, didn't she? She's gonna go to bed. Okay. So, in retrospect, we could have just as easily accessed the uh, the pocket dimension from the bar after everything was done. That was the original fucking plan. So why don't we go back to the Eagle Shoots again? Because we're forgot. Food and bath. Oh. Okay. Well, Jonathan finishes up his arcane funness. Uh, Bernie gets into her most comfy clothes, and she and Coco Snoot say, "Fuck it, and go to bed." Uh, Travancore, you. Moments after you realize what you have forgotten, go running after Derek, and Carlton, you will be not far behind. Derek turns suddenly, and you see him take, like, the worst defensive posture ever. Like, he was expecting you when you come running up. He, You get the sense from the, the startled look on his face and the defensive posture. He was expecting you to run up with a knife to his back. What? Take it easy. Really? Didn't I mean- we just say good... good uh, what? Yeah. We did... But I have some unfinished business, and I it might be a way for you to get a fresh start, and for us to get what we need, we can help each other one last time, and then you can go in peace. Do I have a choice? No. What do you need? 
Come with me to the bar. I'll show you. No blindfolds. No blindfolds. You know where you are. You don't need one. All right, fine. The two of you amble over to the bar. It only takes a couple of minutes. Carlton, are you like running? Uh, <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, that, like, moments... I, it's taking him longer than I thought. And so I'm veering like he went by himself with a known fixer conspirator, even though we thought he was on the up and up. You know, that, the little back of my mind was like, we split the party. You did. Yeah. But I'm a badass archer, though. You are. And you are a god pawn. Or a fate changer. Basically, by the time you guys get to the front of the bar, Derek notices the sign that Bernie uh, crafted the other day. He gives it a very long look and then just sighs, uh, reaches into his pocket, pulls out a key, unlocks the front door. Um, you see him wrinkle his nose a little bit and Travancore, you kind of smell the lingering leftovers of whatever that body was and you guys head inside to the darkened interior. Carlton... You round the corner at a a, a pretty good trot, uh, and you see the door to the bar opening up as Derek and Travancore are entering. Right, I kind of slow my pace a little bit, uh, like to a normal pace, uh, and then I follow in. Hey, buddy. Just in time. Just in time for what? What is going on? I thought we were finally done. Yeah, it was taking a while, and so I got worried. Well, I'm here... Was there anything else you needed? What? What? Yes, there is a change, reversal, big reversal of fortune for you. It's been a rough couple of days for you for sure, but I think we have a way to make it better for you. And for you to get a fresh start and fresh get, we want to. And I sort of motion towards the uh, the secret entrance there. And I kind of go in there towards there. That that, that he, way. He'll follow you down. He's... Uh, when I see Travancore going like, oh shit, my stuff! Yeah. My stuff? He, so he follows you down into the main room. You're going to bring him back to the, the room with the fireplace that you've basically gathered everything from the fixer layer. So, as you can see, Vukovic slash Katharktok has been kind of busy. Like, he's been, he has never been past that initial room. And so you kind of lead him down the hallway and around the, the trapped glyph on the ground into this other room where there are uh, two incredibly valuable yet smelly snell shells, um, one very large heirloom chest that you haven't opened yet, uh, a clothing rack, some rugs. I'm trying to remember. I think the small chest is still sitting here. I don't remember if that's there or if you put that in the bag of holding, but let's say it's there. Basically, everything kind of gathered into this room. Plus, Carlton had, had also dragged over a couple of choice plush chairs. Hell yeah! And the couch. And so it's it's this weird pile of random stuff in the middle of this room. Carlton wants to work on his ass groove. Derek is looking at it all curiously and says, well... I knew we were being success successful, but I didn't think we were being really nice chairs successful. But how how is this going to change my fortune? I'm I can't stay down here. Everyone knows about it, I'm sure. Hear me out. Well, you don't have to. So, Cathartak is gone. The fixtures are gone. I'm here. You're here. Carlton, stop me if I say anything that you object to. But what I propose is stop. I didn't say anything yet. I object. Oh, sorry. I wasn't what sure I propose is that you take one or two of these trinkets, get enough that you can sell it off, those two items only, and start a new life for yourself at Waterdeep or wherever you want to go, and just make a fresh start. There's there's some assets here that are probably worth a good amount of money. I was personally thinking one of the shells, we would keep the rest of it. Well, and he looks over at the the snail shell, which is gorgeous. Just the, the 
uh, riot of colors. You guys know from fighting these things what exactly they are and how valuable those can be as crafting materials. But they are huge. I mean, Carlton can barely lift one. And Derek looks at it and says, well, I I mean, it's, it's pretty, but I, I think I could take that and then I could spend the rest of my life trying to carry that somewhere. I have to believe a man of your resources and contacts should be able to know somebody you could sell this to. Like, all the, you know all the lords. Yeah, these are Absolutely, mine. Absolutely, but how am I supposed to get it to them? I mean, that thing is huge, and... Oh, what is that smell? Oh. Well, again, you know the lords. You could probably arrange a meeting with one of them, one would think. I, I happen to know that most of the houses were paying in, in gold a monthly stop hand to, to get their information. You didn't find any of that? I would rather just take a little bit of gold I and have... have- I have a opal worth roughly 300 gold. I will give to you that will give you the expenses you need to get to Waterdeep and then get on your feet again. <laughs> You're presenting your butt opal? It it has been cleaned. He doesn't know that he doesn't need to know that it's a butt opal. <laughs> he regards this opal and you see him consider it for a m- minute. Um, Carlton go ahead and make a persuasion check. Persuasion is 11. He looks at this opal and he says, I, w- I appreciate the offer, but I think if I'm going to head to Waterdeep, I would rather n- not show up with what could be a-, a-, a traceable gem. I will take half of its value in just... You didn't find where Vakovic kept any of his, his stash of gold? I- I- he had cleaned it out. And there's nothing in the, the chest? I haven't opened them yet. Uh, he walks on over and he goes to open the chest and he finds it locked. And he pats himself down and he says, I, I don't have any of my tools. Did you find Did you find my tools? Did we find? I don't think we found your tools. I don't think we did. You know where your tools are? You can go grab them real quick. Wait right here. I'll be right, right back. And he leaves. Uh, do you follow him or do you just stay where you are? I'm going to follow him, Carlton. You, you can guard the loot if you don't mind. Okay. Man, I really want to give him my butt opal. You follow him. He heads out of the lair, back upstairs. He heads up through the bar, upstairs into where the room's upstairs for rent. He goes to the the farthest one, which seems, when, when he opens it, seems to be just a plain room. But as he opens up a few drawers, you can see there's actually stuff in there. And this is apparently where he lives, is he just lives in one of these rooms. He rifles through a few drawers, and then you hear him go, oh, oh yeah. And he pulls one of the drawers out completely from the desk, turns it around and on the back you can see a small leather case and he pulls the leather case off and he pockets it and then puts the drawer back and he says thank you we'll we'll head back downstairs maybe maybe we can help each other out a little bit and uh you follow him back down into the fixer lair where he then kneels down in front of this big heirloom chest that you guys haven't been able to been able to open just yet folds out this leather pouch that has a series of tools in it and puts two very thin they almost look like metal pieces with hooks on the end into the keyhole examines the keyhole for a long moment and then you hear him moving stuff around yeah and then you hear a slight click 
as the chest opens up and he lifts up. As he goes, so I put my hand on it to kind of keep it closed. I'll be like, we'll deal with that in a moment. There's another one that needs to be unlocked. He, as soon as you do that, so like it unlocks and it clicks open and he starts to open it and you slam it shut and it locks shut again. And he gives you a look that is very clearly, what the hell, man? And as you say this, he goes, I'll, I'll, that's fine. I'll, I'll do both, but hold on a moment. And he goes back into the chest and it's a little quicker this time because he knows what he's doing, unlocks it. And he says, shouldn't we just do one chest at a time? I don't even, there's another chest and he opens up the big one. This is a, a, an heirloom size chest, like end of the bed kind of thing. And you can see on the inside, there is a bunch of smaller leather pouches. Uh, there, there seem to be like 10 of them. And as you open them up, you see they are filled with money. It is mostly gold pieces, a bunch of silver pieces, some copper. Uh, you want to take a second and kind of rifle through. You see that you eventually count out, it seems like each pouch has almost 500 gold pieces in it. If you spend the next couple of minutes actually counting everything out, you get to a, a grand total of 2,842 2, gold pieces, 400 silver, and kind of a handful of copper. Derek, for his part, doesn't seem surprised by this amount. And while you guys are counting this out, he says, what, what's this other chest that well, I can get going on this other chest? What you got? Uh, the, I take him to the small chest that was locked okay. while Travancore is, I'll, I'll do that while Travancore is finishing counting. Sure. He's going to, he once again examines, it's kind of this, this is the, the tiny little one. He examines it closely, looks inside the lock, puts it down on top of the, one of the end tables, pulls out a different set of tools. Oh, yeah. And he opens it easily. You can see on the inside, as this chest opens up, it's got a plush interior, uh, kind of this red velvet interior. And there's just kind of inside a, a small leather bag inside of this chest, there's some uh, there's some gemstones. You find four rough gemstones that are kind of this pale blue color they're they're very pretty they're uncut uh which actually can be more expensive if since these are good size he he looks at them and he says well that's that's pretty and he puts him back into this tiny little chest and hands it back to you and says if you are being generous and actually allowing me to walk out with any of this stuff, I would rather just take a handful of gold and and have it be done because that that's going to be the easiest thing for me to to leave with. I I, I do sidebar with Travancore. Uh, one pouch of gold. One pouch. Okay. You hand him a pouch of gold, which each of the pouches seem to have about 500 gold pieces. He seems very surprised at the generosity and gives you a long look and says, no strings attached. Well, there's just one. I thought there'd be one. What? Your Amphil privileges have been revoked. Maybe you get an early start on uh, wherever it is you got to go. Just head out. Start a new life for yourself. Why wait? You know, there's no reason to hang out here anymore. He was literally leaving when you brought him back. Also, do you remember how they got the things into here? Do you know where that door is? 
Oh yeah, that's a good no. Question. I I know that the exit to that is somewhere out in the woods. It's covered up by a stump, but I I don't know how they were getting things in and out of here. He looks over at the snail shells and says, "I'm I'm guessing that's what they're from." Yep. So this is our bar now. I think our business is concluded. Carlton, would you agree? Yes. You are welcome to it. Uh, I don't. Frankly, I recommend you do what I'm doing, and that is getting out of here as quickly as possible. Thank you. This has turned out better than I expected. I'll be gone by the time you guys leave, and he uh, turns... You just leave the deed on the bar counter. What deed? To the bar. Yeah. It's no, yours. No, That's the not, deed. No, we didn't, we didn't buy a zoo, and we didn't buy a bar. We didn't buy a bar. We got a free bar. And he turns and leaves. So he leaves, and is there anything else? Are you going to just leave? Are you going to try to haul this stuff back? What are you going to take with you? Well, we're taking all the a... gold. All okay. the gold we can easily... I have the bag of holding on my person still. Yep. So you can put all the gold, all the silver in there. You can put uh, the little chest is uh, that has the, the aquamarine gemstones in it. Wait. So he said he'll be gone by the time we leave. Like, I don't want to leave any of this stuff that he can get to, get to it. I want him gone. That's why I told him get out of here. Leave town. Make an insight check. See if he's going to come back. Yeah. I don't think he will. He, go ahead. You can incite him as he's leaving right. after he says this. I'll, I will I'll back that up. Well, yeah, five. I, I, don't, I don't perceive nothing. The, I don't incite When nothing. he says that he wants to be out of here and you hand him 500 gold and say, get out of here, he seems yeah, yeah, just, just he leave seems now. That's to just be very sincere in taking that gold and getting as far away from the two of you as possible. Travancore, we've got carts back at the, sh- uh, at the house. Why don't you hook a cart up the to uh, Shadow, and then we can at least get the shelves, and then I really want this fucking furniture, so we'll figure that out as well, because I need to work on my ass groove. Well, that's what I'm saying, is like, we get a cart, and we can start loading this stuff in, so that way we can maximize the time that the house is currently open, because remember, once it closes, we gotta wait another day. Here's the thing, we have the bar, we have the keys to the doors and all that, we can just, I can just bet you stay here tonight, guard the loot, make sure it doesn't, nothing happens, grab a pillow from upstairs, just sleep in the basement, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable, Shadow and I can, can lean next to each other, it's fine. I'll say, so if you guys are looking to load this stuff on a cart and get Shadow to carry it all back, that yes, all of the, the stuff that you have found, uh, what doesn't fit into the bag of holding, uh, basically everything fits into the bag of holding, as I said, even the tapestries in a really weird way. If you want to put them in the bag yeah, of holding. Yeah, like roll because, them thin and then slide them in like a yeah, magic trick. It's this weird guy brush three wood type thing and where you're putting them into the bag and they're just, it's 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 the disappearing rope trick. But because they're they're not super wide and you put them in the, the thin way, they fit. So basically it's just the, any of the, like, you can take the clothing off the rack and put that in the bag of holding. The tiny little box fits. If you take all the gold out of the chest and put the bags of gold into your bag of holding, that all fits. So pretty much it's just the two shells and any of the furniture. And I'll say for the sake of time and all of our sanity, yes. You can load all that onto a cart that you find outside, and Shadow is more than happy to parade down the dark, cold road, carrying the stuff back. When you get back to the house, Mouser is there, still puffing away, and is uh, actually happy to help you carry everything upstairs into the pocket house. And so it's late, 
as you're doing this, Jonathan, you finish transcribing your spell scroll. It flares into nothingness as you have the spell now in your, your book. And you're like, woohoo! Ooh, what's that smell? As they're going by with snail shells. And you get everything into the pocket house. So basically, I want to make our pocket house a pocket home. Well, I want to I, I wanna fast forward to next morning because so, I really want to cast... I, I really want to do this thing. Before we do, I want to actually, while we're helping, Mouser's helping us, I want to apologize to him for the subterfuge. I mean, because clearly we, we kind of said things that weren't true to him. For Protect Hectum, of course, but I'd still feel badly about it because he's been non-liberal and decent to us. As you say this, he he nods and says, I don't I don't need an apology, but I I will accept it and I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully now that the fixers are no longer an issue, there will be no more reason for this kind of subterfuge. Well, if that's all that you have, I will, I will leave you to have a good night. I need to wash my hands. Those, those shells are gorgeous, but whew, do they smell? All right, you guys, uh, stash everything in the house. You put the shells in the basement so that it doesn't smell up the whole house. What little furniture you got, you kind of position around the, the vegetable garden you have in the middle of the living room and join Bernie, who has been asleep for several hours now, in your own long rest. As we're setting the furniture up, can I tell the Modrons, can you take this, and I gesture to the vegetable plants, while we're sleeping in the next few days and make a bunch of smaller ones that will fit outside? They all look at each other and you see them all kind of look out the window and the one uh, Alistair Duke points to the outside and and to like the long walkway that leads to the to the teleportation circle and goes. Yes. Small ones on the sides of the walkways so that it fits. It could be real small and thin and maybe a bunch of small ones, but the plants aren't going to grow inside. And they immediately get to work starting to dismantle everything. You guys are the best. Good night. All right. You guys have a long rest. It's been a very long day. It's been a very long couple of days. And each of you kind of, as you sleep, feel like you've, you kind of mull over the day's events, the last couple of weeks, the new things that you've learned. You wake up fairly late the next day feeling for the first time a lot calmer than you have since especially since you've entered Amphail kind of feeling like maybe you've gotten some stuff done and there's still issues on the horizon but you're feeling maybe a little more equipped and a little more powerful and uh, able to to handle whatever can be put your way because you know you're level six now (laughs) all right and before we go I would normally end it there Except Jonathan, Jonathan needs to make a phone call. Jonathan's gonna sext his lady. He's gonna be like, you up? And she's gonna be like, no. So Jonathan, you wake up, you feel like some of the spells that you've been studying have finally clarified in your mind. And you flip to the pages of your spell book and read over the one, the new ones that are now apparent and obvious to you. Why you couldn't see how to cast these before is beyond you. And there is sending. All right. I, I make the arcane motions and humumshpai, humumshpai. And then... I send the following message to Dorveen. Hi, Dorveen. It's Jonathan the Muscular. Sorry for the mental intrusion. How are you? We are good. Alive and well in Amphail. How's Greenest? That is 24 words. 
I was about to say, if you were going to continue, I'm like, how many words? Okay. Word count is amazing. Your word count is amazing. Okay. You send this message off the picture of Dorvine clear in your mind as you kind oh, shit. of mentally. So it's like we you said we woke up late, right? So I'm not like I'm not I'm not pulling a hey you up <laughs> like we were just talking about. No, 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 no. You guys it, it's like in order to get the long rest for like Bernie, if you wanted to get up at like eight o'clock in the morning, you could. But the rest of you are sleeping until like nine or ten to get your long rest. Bernie's so gonna it is get up early the- and like have a nice, quiet breakfast alone. You absolutely. It's it's calm. You have some tea. You're watching as the Modrons are very uh, meticulously taking bits of dirt that have stuff planted in them and moving them into what seems to be pre-made um small square containers and taking them outside and you don't really know what they're doing it's very <laughs> it is because their their mechanical motions are very repetitive and very smooth and relatively quiet actually uh jonathan you picture dorveen and send off this message and wait because you know that as soon as she receives this message, she can respond immediately. That's part of the spell. And so you you sit on your bed and wait. And wait. <laughs> and wait some more. <laughs> oh, dear. Full circle. It's a minute, I think, that she has to respond. And you haven't really been keeping track of time because you kind of expected something immediately and there's nothing. And you're getting worried. And just as you kind of give up and you stand up, and you're about to go join everybody. You feel a tingle in the back of your head. Oh, and I have mail. <laughs> the clear voice of Dorveen enters your mind, and you hear her say, Well, I am glad you are alive. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll end this episode of Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks next week. Well, guys, you guys wake up. Looks like I'll be hanging out water deep for a while. At sixth level with mail. Yay, sixth level. I am down a spell slot. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks or www.libshark.com. And see you next encounter.